If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and I'm pleased to say we have moved. We've done and dusted. I have unpacked 41 boxes so far and probably another hmm, 12, maybe just short of 20 more to go. And we will be fully settled and yep, life will be back to normal again. My view has changed, that's for sure. Whereas I used to sit in my office in my old house and look out over the river. Uh, I'm now looking out over my driveway, but that's absolutely fine. Now, when you move house, I think it's virtually impossible to get everything absolutely perfect and you sacrifice some things in order to gain others. And we have left behind a 100 by 150 lot on a river, but exchange that for nearly two acres of woodland. And there is a river right at the end of our yard. We haven't been able to get to it yet because it's fully overgrown. We just call it the jungle. But I'm sure once we get that all cleared down, which may not be until the spring of next year, but once we get all that cleared down, it's going to look absolutely stupendous. So we do have the water. We've just got a little bit further to walk to it. And the dogs are loving it. They just absolutely love being here. So now my office is all set up again and I'm ready and raring to go to start really into work and uh, and getting busy, busy, busy again. And of course, the summer's now over. Labor Day came and went. And actually, we moved. We moved over the Labor Day weekend. So by the time we got up here and the removal van came and unpacked everything, you know, the season was over. You know, now, now we're settled again and I'm working with our team and we're beginning to review the summer. What happened this summer and what we can learn from it and what we can put in place for next year. We do this every single year in September, sometimes into early October, depending on, uh, depending on how things go. But we look back over the previous couple of months and just talk about some of the issues that occurred and, and how they could have been prevented. And certainly we were looking at some of the issues that came up over and over again with a view to making sure that as we go into 2019, that we have systems and processes in place to alleviate those issues. You know, if they happen again, at least to make sure that we've got the systems in place to manage them perhaps a little bit better. So we do this every year. So was this summer different? I, th- I think we all, we should all do it, do, do this. Was this summer any different from the last time? If it wasn't any different and you still experienced the issues, then perhaps your review of last year didn't go so well and you didn't put uh, the things in place that you should have done. But I, we, we find that every summer is different. It brings with it new issues that we haven't encountered before. And that's definitely the case this year. For us, this summer was different because the weather was 
crazy, crazy hot. And I'm sure most of you listening experienced much of the same this year. I mean, last year was the year of the rain. We, we always say if, it, if it's raining at 4pm on a Saturday afternoon, which is when the majority of our guests go in because we do weekly rentals in summer. If it's raining on that Saturday afternoon, we're going to get far more problems and issues reported than if people are arriving on a glorious summer day. You know, they, they, they want to get out of the car and head to the water and just start their vacation. Whereas last year when they were arriving and it was pouring with rain and it was miserable and it was cool, they were looking at somebody to blame for it, blame for the fact that their much longed for vacation looked like it was going to be a bit of a washout. So we thought this year with you know the warmth, it was just beautiful, lots of blue sky and sunshine, that we would have less issues. But of course, the heat brought with it its own problems. Just to explain that a little bit, the majority of our properties don't have air conditioning. It's just never has been something that people put into cottages way, way back when they were built. Maybe because the summers never used to be as hot and humid as they are now. So now we're dealing with an entirely different type of climate, which is, you know, we've had far more heat alerts this year than we have in other summers. People are coming out of the city where they're used to their AC and getting up to the cottage and find walking in to a really hot and steamy property and not being very happy with it at all, even though we do make it very clear whether a property has AC. However, somebody said this year, you should be telling us that the property didn't have it because we assumed that every property would have air conditioning. So that was the first thing. Then there were the insects. It really was the summer of the bug. There were ants, there were spiders, there were earwigs and flies and mosquitoes. And then there were the mice, loads and loads of mice. There were drought conditions across much of cottage country. So the mice were going indoors to look for water, any any sort of fluid. Plus, of course, once they got in, then they were heading straight for the crumbs that were left out and the open packets of food in cupboards. So we had a lot more issues of mice this summer. Because, of course, without AC, people were leaving doors and windows open to let, you know, if there was any air outside, then they wanted it to blow in. And here in cottage country, as soon as you leave a door open, there's a a little lineup of mice waiting to get in. You don't actually see them. You just have to turn your back and they are in. In my own home, I think we were catching one or two every single day for about three weeks. You know, it's not a case of having a dirty house. It's just simply that the, uh, the these these mice are opportunistic. They, they see an opening, a door opening, a door left open, a window left ajar, and they're in. And it's a tough, tough job to get rid of them. So, so those were a couple of the things. But what I want to do today is talk about seven of the lessons that we learned this year. If you go back to um, previous September podcasts back uh, over the years, I think I've done one just about every year where I talk about what we learned through the summer and what we're going to put in place to make it easier for us to manage next year. And we always hope that when the next year comes, our issues are going to be really reduced. And I think they are. 
You know, a few years ago, our biggest issue was was entry. Guests were arriving at cottages to find that uh, the lockbox code wasn't the one they expected it to be, or they couldn't find the key under the rock that it was meant to be under. And we put all sorts of things in place to manage that. So our access issues have reduced to well, they're very, very minimal. We've had a few this summer, but very, very few. One of the things we that we did was asked all our owners to make sure they had a key on the property somewhere, hidden somewhere, so that if a lockbox didn't work, we were able to direct the guest to the hidden key. And so at least they could get in and, and start their vacation while we figured out why the lockbox code wasn't working. So that's working really, really well. But it, it always seems to be that something else takes the place of the summer's most common issue. So anyway... I'm going to talk about the seven learning points from this year, the the seven major ones. And the first one is being clear about what is provided and what is not provided. In our situation, we have 200, just under 200 property owners and they manage their properties. So they put the supplies in. And they make sure that those supplies are topped up, we hope. And they check all the amenities to make sure that the amenities are working correctly uh, at, the end of, at the end of every guest stay so that they're prepared for the next one. But one thing we realised this summer is that we weren't perhaps as clear as we could be about what is provided at each property and what is not. So... You know, what are, what can guests expect? It does help so that they know what they should bring. We've tried to do this by asking our all our owners to supply a what we call a get you in or a starter pack of um, paper products, toilet paper, kitchen towel, dishwash liquid, laundry detergent, hand soaps, these sorts of things. And we send our owners this list and say, please provide these items for your guests as a starter pack and then we tell our guests that that these are provided as a starter and they should go out and purchase replacements once they run out now many of our owners supply offer an unlimited supply of toilet paper you know i i always did it in mine i don't want my guests running out of stuff i don't want them running out of toilet paper and thinking oh my gosh i've got to go to the store so I've always provided plenty of toilet paper, several rolls of kitchen towel. And yes, occasionally this is abused and you get there and the toilet roll, the, the, the toilet roll that you've left has all gone. And, you know, that's that's just the cost of doing business. It doesn't it doesn't happen every week. One or two guest groups every year are going to take advantage of what's left for them and they will they will take it away. The, these are the ones that probably do this in hotels as well and they've been doing it forever and don't think twice about it because they simply think that this is part of what they've paid for so that they are entitled to it. So we had guests this year in a cottage who called us on day four I believe of their seven day stay to tell us that they'd run out of toilet paper and they needed some more delivered. Do you know, this could have been a possibility in some locations where the owner or the caretaker lived nearby. But in this particular location, it was very, very remote. It was a good six kilometres away from 
from a main road. It was 12 kilometres from the nearest tiny little general store. And then another 12 kilometres the other side of that was where the caretaker lived. So for her to deliver some toilet paper to this cottage, it was probably an hour or more in terms of a round trip with stopping to buy it and delivering, etc. And she was not able to. She was she was doing a clean at another cottage elsewhere. She was not able to deliver the toilet paper. So the guest was really upset, really upset about this. She said, I have come on my vacation to sit and enjoy the water and enjoy the scenery. And I had not intended doing any shopping. And we said, well, it, we did say in the pre-arrival document that there would be a get you in pack of um, of paper products and that if you ran out you would need to go and get your own and she said well i didn't read that i was at uh, i was at this other cottage last year and everything was there and i never had to go out and buy a thing it was it was so well equipped and i expected this one to be the same and of course she'd stayed in my cottage the previous year so yes i provide everything and but not all owners are doing the same so what this taught us, and we had this on a number of other occasions where um, guests were calling and saying that they had run out of, of certain items and they'd expected the full complement to be supplied for the entirety of their stay. And we realized that, that we were using some very generic language and people were tending not to read that generic language. And what we should have been doing is being very specific about this particular each particular property and probably a week or so before each vacation started was to send an automated automated email that says your holiday's coming up i'm sure you're looking forward to it here's just a reminder of what you need to take with you and at that point we can say you will find just a few rolls of toilet paper one roll of kitchen towel and some dishwasher tablets or whatever, whatever is supplied. So we suggest that you take, if you don't want to go out shopping, that you take these items with you to make sure that you don't run out. It sounds so, it sounds so simple. And you may think, well, what, you know, that's just common sense. But we're finding, I mean, we've always said, haven't we, that guests don't read what we send them. So we have to do this over and over again. And it's, you know, this is one of the big things that's come out of this year's review is that we need to work on our automated messaging so that we're communicating with our guests much, much more prior to their stay. So we're reminding them about what they need to take. We're reminding them of the address. We're reminding them of the access code and the Wi-Fi uh, instructions. Because it was all these things, the, the, the little issues that were popping up, that we figured th that these are going to be resolved by just having better communication in the run-up to the vacation, in the very short term, week or so, before they go on vacation. If we can get in there and remind them about these things, set up some read receipts so that we know that these emails have been opened or simply sending a text to, to also tell them that, uh, that they need to check their email. So that was number one, be clear about what is provided and what is not. But, you know, just taking that a step further to do that very individually for each property. 
Of course, I know that many of you who are listening to this just have maybe one or two properties. So, you know, it's a little bit simpler for you to do this. For us, it's perhaps each week, it could be 150 to 180 separate messages that we're sending out to to different guests. So we're working out how to do this automation in the most efficient way. So that's something that we'll be working on this for. The second one, the second issue that we came across this year, and we've, we've had it in the past, but this year has seen a rise in incidences of EHS and MCS issues. Now you're scratching your head. You haven't got a clue what I'm talking about with EHS and MCS. EHS is electromagnetic hypersensitivity. There you go. And MCS is multiple chemical sensitivity. I'm sure you've come across this. I'm sure you've had requests from people to, to asking, in fact, whether you're, you use fragrances in your home, what type of detergent you use, what chemical cleaners you're using. And if perhaps you could reduce the use of any chemicals prior to their stay. Well, we've had this on a number of occasions this year, and it's caused us to to really think about um, how we how we deal with these. Because on on one occasion, we were asked to remove all Wi-Fi from the property. Now, that was not only just turning it off, but removing the router, taking out any Google Home and in the place they had a Google mesh network. So that had to be removed. This particular person wanted to ensure that there were no cell phone towers within three kilometers of the property. And, uh, and also to also asking how close the neighboring properties were in case the, um, the electromagnetic signals were going from other properties were going to impact them. Is this a thing? I'm sure you're thinking. So I did a bit of research on it. There was an article in the Washington Post, and I'll put a link to the to the article in the show notes about um, sufferers of EHS. That's uh, electromagnetic hypersensitivity. It's esti- estimated that, and they say several people per million will tend to experience some combination of physical symptoms like headaches and nausea, palpitations, fatigue dermatological problems such as rashes and and itching and they often experience these at at the same time and less commonly they also complain of com- confusion memory loss panic attacks etc now there've been a lot of studies done that have attempted to link all these symptoms to Wi-Fi or um, cellular connections, and and it appears that that you know there there is they're not finding the correlation between them, and that these symptoms can be caused by a whole variety of other things. Because the, the thing is, is that the symptoms could be caused by anything. A headache could be caused by change in the weather. Dermatological problems could be caused by mosquitoes and other biting insects. However. There is a movement that that does say that EHS is a thing. We we are thinking about you know what do we do about this when when people ask this question. We've just had um, and we had several this summer several people talking about the multiple chemical sensitivity that they have. Now, in actual fact, MCS is a thing because. Both Canada and the US recognize it as a disability. 
which is why you, uh, you know, so somebody with the, um, the multiple chemical sensitivity syndrome, they will be uh, sensitive to fragrances, to uh, chemical cleaning products, to detergents, fragrance detergents, that sort of thing. I know that's why you see in many workplaces and certainly in, you know, in, in, in healthcare units where, um, where they say this is a fragrance-free zone. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, while it's not compulsory, I don't think, for places to create uh, chemical-free zones or fragrance-free zones, it seems to be coming up more and more. And we had a number of these requests for people wanting to come on vacation. They wanted to stay at a place, but they wanted the owners to remove all air fresheners, all fragrance products, and that included detergents. And they wanted to make sure that that, um, sheets, towels were washed in non-fragranced detergents before they were put on the beds. In most cases, our owners complied with this. But we've just had one incident where uh, a family arrived at a property and for some for some reason, something was missed in the owner's attempt and very, very good attempt to clean up the property of any fragranced products. There was a fragrance that the guest identified and they were really upset about it. And this, this in fact, is, is still ongoing. Um, they demanded that an air purifier be brought in to remove the fragrance from the home. So it makes you wonder, you know, how far does an owner have to go to to appease these guests who have, to many of us, they, they have, I'm not saying they're unreasonable demands, but they're unusual demands and they are not of the norm. So how far do we actually go to to, to make it good for these guests? Well, we've fallen down, you know, we've fallen down on a number of these and guests have not been happy and have demanded refunds, rebates, etc. When all the owner has done is fallen over backwards to make sure that the environment was as the guest wanted. Um, they, They were perhaps just not as diligent as the guest expected them to be. So from here on, we'll be putting a new clause into our terms and conditions of rental. And it's going to state that for any requests to meet electromagnetic hypersensitivity or multiple chemical sensitivity concerns, then the owner will do their best to comply in terms of removing any items termed electromagnetic or in taking out cleaning products, anything fragranced. However, there are no guarantees that this will be done to the full extent of the guest's expectations unless they are very, very clearly uh, identified. And, And we will say there will be no refund nor rebate for the property not being you know, f- fully free of, of either um, the cellular devices, the, the Wi-Fi devices or, or the, uh, the fragrances, you know, providing the owner has done their utmost to meet all the requirements. At least that's what, that's what we're working on at the moment. I'd love to hear what, uh, what you think about this and, and whether this is something that, that you do and if you've got any suggestions because we'd, uh, we'd love to hear them. Okay, moving on. Why you never nickel, never, ever, ever nickel and dime on insurance? 
because it was a month or two ago, maybe six weeks ago, there was a knock on my door and I opened the door and scruffy guy on the doorstep holding an envelope. I knew what it was. I don't know why it's never happened to me before, but I knew exactly what it was. And he stood on the doorstep and he said, is this the address for, and he, the name of my company. And I said, yes, it is. And he passed me the envelope and he's, he didn't say you've been served. I knew exactly what had just happened because I looked at him and I said, really? And he said, I'm so sorry. And he walked off. Really weird exchange when you think about it, that that's the, he asked me what my company name was. I looked at him and I said, oh, really? And he said, sorry. (laughs) So yeah, I knew what it was. We'd been served. Um, so we got the knock on the door, but I wanted to tell you why we're not hugely concerned. An incident happened at a property and I'm not going to go into it too, too deeply, um, because it's ongoing. An incident happened at a property about a year ago and, and somebody had a slip and fall incident and it was brought up at the time and our insurance company took it up and we never heard anything, anything more. I mean, to us completely frivolous. Uh, however, uh, it's it's all come to light again. The um, the slip and fall claim is 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 high. It's it's a very high dollar amount. I got on the phone to our insurance broker who uh, put me in touch with the claims adjuster who basically said just leave it with us. We'll be dealing with it. If we need you to come along and give a deposition, then we'll be in touch. But apart if you don't hear from us, just assume that everything is going okay. What I wanted to talk about though, is the cover you have, the liability cover, because you know we, we make sure when we go out and see properties that they all meet current building code, decks, docks, staircases, railings, etc. But it doesn't matter if somebody does something at your property, trips on a perfectly formed step that meets building code, and hurts themselves, they can put in a claim. They can make, they can take out a lawsuit against you because there will always be an ambulance chasing attorney who is more than willing to go the extra mile in case they are able to make a few bucks out of it or more than a few bucks. In fact, as long as you can show that you are not negligent, you have not been negligent in any way, then you should be fine. But you've got to have that liability cover in the first place. Because, you know, what what happens when somebody has a slip and fall accident is that they are going to, the, the attorney is going to involve every person that has anything to do with the property. So in this case, it was the owner. It was us, the rental management company. I fully believe the, you know, maybe the bill, I I don't know who else has been cited, but it could be the builder. It could be the caretaker. It could be the handyman. Anybody who might have had some dealings with this property and the part of it that was involved in the slip and fall, uh, fall claim, they are going to be cited within the lawsuit. I posted about this in an Airbnb forum recently and I, and I just said, I just asked the question about how many people in that forum have liability cover. And I was very surprised at some of the responses and somebody said, no, I haven't taken out any extra insurance. I just have, I have a disclaimer that my guests have to sign when they come in that says 
they release me of all responsible of, of any uh, responsibility should they hurt themselves on my property and i thought are you crazy that piece of paper is not worth anything not worth the paper it's written on because a lawyer is going to take you to court whatever it doesn't matter what piece of paper you have the uh, the attorney or the you know wh- whoever is putting together the lawsuit is going to take you to court, regardless of whether a judge at the end of the day says, oh, your piece of paper, waiving your liability, that's okay. You still had to go through the process and you still had to hire your lawyer and you still had to go to court and it still cost you a considerable amount of money. So good liability cover is worth every single cent. And this is what what we are doing the full, we, we only accept owners onto our property, onto our rental management program that actually have uh, rental insurance and liability cover. But we are probably this year going to suggest that um, if they haven't raised their liability cover recently, that they seriously look at, look, look to doing it. Proper insurance that, uh, that we deal with a lot, you know, proper insurance I know covers many vacation rental owners in the US. Um, There's a blog post on their website um, just recently talking about this and and, and they say that you should have at least $2 million in liability insurance or it says $3 million aggregate, which I'm, I'm not sure, quite sure what that means, but Maybe I should get Darren Pettijohn from Proper Insurance on here and he can he can explain that. But it's it's so important that you have sufficient liability insurance. Yeah. Just make sure you know, number one, check everything on your property to make sure that you're not negligent. You know, install childproof devices on everything, secure all your storage units, secure your items of heavy furniture to the wall, make sure all your stairs, your decks, your balconies have railings, make sure you have carbon monoxide alarms, smoke alarms, fire extinguishers, etc. You can go to that blog post and see a, see a, a longer list of things that you need to, uh, to consider when you're looking at the safety and security of your property. So that's, it all comes around in the, in the same sort of thing. Vacation rental safety, security, and liability insurance. Next, guests only see what they want to see. We learned this years ago, never use the word beach towel unless you have a beach. As because if you use the word beach towel, say bring your own beach towels, that signifies to some that there is a beach and a beach to them means white sand you know, Waikiki style with a, you know, the white sand and a gaily coloured parasol. Wikipedia says a beach is a, is a landform alongside a body of water which consists of loose particles. The particles composing a beach are typically made from rock, such as sand, gravel, shingle, pebbles or cobblestones. Or cobblestones. But you try telling a guest who has read the word beach on your listing that the shingle area in front of the water is a beach and they are they are going to be completely unhappy with this because they were expecting the white sand regardless of what you say guests will see what they want to see on a listing and it applies to so many things so we're going to be going through all our listings checking the text making sure that the text is as unambiguous as possible. So next, understand that the media can create fear and be ready to deal with it. 
we had a wildfire. I mean, there's been lots of wildfires this year and a lot of destruction and damage caused by them. And I, my heart goes out to everybody that's been impacted by wildfires. You know, those people in California, in British Columbia, in Alberta, here in Ontario as well. We had a wildfire which was called Parry Sound 33 and we heard a lot about it. It burned for weeks and every day the news reported on the smoke and on people and cottages being evacuated. Our guests don't know, in general, they don't know the geography of our province. This fire was isolated to a pretty much a very northern area, about um, 50 kilometres north of Parry Sound, which is a town where you know, met, there's quite a lot of our cottages around that area. But because people don't know the geography, just about anybody that was vacationing in cottage country was concerned that this fire was going to impact them and for one guest it was he was consumed by this by the fear that the media had instilled that this fire was going to impact his vacation that he cancelled it we could not convince him that the property he was going to it, it was over an hour's drive from this fire it was it was a long way I, I just felt so badly for his his family because he 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 cancelled. He got a refund from the owner, and the, the the place was immediately rented again. We knew it was going to rent, so he got the refund. The place rented, and then a couple of days later, he called back and he said, he said, "Oh, I've changed my mind. I, th I think we'll be okay. And we'd like to go now." And we said, "Well, we're sorry, but it's now re-rented." And we could not find him anywhere else. He lost his entire vacation because of this. So one of the things that we we will do next year is to be more proactive. Get to the guests before the media does, particularly in, in terms of, of some of these situations we can see unfolding. And, and we say to ourselves, you know, this is going to cause a problem with our guests. They're going to see this. They're going to think they're going to be impacted by it, whether it's flood or an impending storm, or a storm that's happened, because they don't know the geography of the area, and they just assume that because they are going to what we call cottage country, then it's going to impact them. And then that causes um, causes fear within them. So we're going to be proactive, we're going to get to the guests before the media does. And, and that means, once again, automated messaging. So if something occurs like a wildfire... We will get there and just simply send them a message. You may have heard this on the news. We'd like to reassure you. This may not allay the fears because whatever we say could be overridden by the way the media does their reporting. But at least we have we have got there. We've told the guests that we're actually aware of what's going on and we have their interests at heart. So never assume a guest has read anything. I've just talked about that. Never assume they read anything because... We've, we've known this for years. So use multiple forms of communication. You know, still on the topic of fires, the drought that we had this summer resulted in fire bans throughout, uh, throughout our province. And we were sending weekly updates uh, to all guests via email, just advising them of the current fire state. So for all guests that were going in on a Saturday, on the Tuesday or Wednesday of that week, we would send them an email that told them what the current fire ban state was in the area they were going to. But we were still having guests who were lighting campfires. 
and then claiming that they had never read our email. And in one case, we'd, we'd had complaints from neighbours. You know, we had a call at 10 o'clock at night saying the, the people in the cottage next door have light, lit a campfire and we are at risk and we're about to call the police unless you, unless you tell them to, uh, to put the fire out. And we were able to, and within 15 minutes of the phone call, that fire was out. However, we had emailed that guest that week to say no fires were permitted and he claimed never to have seen the email. From that and numerous other similar incidents, we've decided that now we will also be texting all our guests and also asking for read receipts on emails. And we'll set up something that gives us the read receipts. So at least we know they've opened it. And we'll also be looking at, you know, how, how we make these types of communication more visible to our guests. So on that similar topic, make sure you have the guest cell number. And we, we realized a couple of times this summer that the numbers that, the telephone numbers that we had were not the guest's cell number that they had with them. So when we were trying to get in touch with them, with something very, very important, we could not. We had one incident where guests forgot to leave on the Saturday. And we have this every year. People forget to leave on the Saturday. They're having such a great time that uh, they think they've got another day and then they take off for the day and go on a picnic or something. And we're left with a caretaker who is having a frantic panic because she needs to do a changeover. The house is still full of the guests' uh, belongings because they had no intention of leaving to the following day. And there's guests arriving at four o'clock and we could not get hold of these guests because we didn't have their cell number. And it was very fortunate that they actually, somebody actually returned to the property. They'd gone to a local town, in fact, and somebody came back early um, because they wanted to go out on a kayak ride. And we were able to, the caretaker met them at the door and said, you've got to get out now. And, you know, that, that was all resolved. But the issue was we did not have a cell number that we were able to reach them on. So, so that's, that's definitely an issue that could cause, could cause all sorts of, of problems if it's not rectified. Just on that topic of people forgetting about their vacations, we had a call from a guest who arrived at a cottage at four o'clock to find that another family had got there before them and had moved all their stuff in. And we all know this double booking. Oh my gosh, we've double booked. It's impossible for us to double book. We have so many systems in place to prevent double booking. Yet it appeared to have happened until we looked at the guests who'd arrived early and found that they'd arrived a week early. Not just a couple of hours early, they'd arrived a complete week early and they'd gone to the cottage and they had offloaded all their stuff. They were in, they were in the water, they were cooking, they had made themselves at home. And the guests who were meant to be there that week are sitting in the driveway calling us saying, what's going on? That was a really interesting one. It happened really early in the summer. But the upshot of it was... Um, once we convinced the guests who'd arrived a week early that they were there a week early, because initially they were absolutely adamant they'd got the right dates for their vacation. But we were able to supply all the booking forms that they'd received, the reservation confirmations, the statements of account, probably a, 
half a dozen documents that we had sent to them with the correct dates of their vacation. And still they had it in their minds that they were going a week before that. So we were able to rehouse them in another property. Unfortunately, they had to pay for that property too. So they, they their, their vacation was quite expensive this year and we were able to move them out and allow the genuine guests, the guests who had booked and paid for their correct week um, to uh, to go in. So that was one of the <laughs> one of the big things that happened this summer. And there's no accounting for that. There really is nothing we can do because, you know, we, we do contact all our guests in the week leading up to their vacation to remind them that they're going, remind them of the check-in time and other reminders such as the fire status. But for these particular guests, of course, they'd received nothing from us because they'd arrived a week early. So they were about four days earlier than uh, our communication was going to be. So we could do nothing about that. And we know there will always be things that happen that we have absolutely no control over. And you know, it all adds to the fun. So we learned a lot this year. And just to just to summarize what we're going to be doing, we're going to be reviewing our terms and conditions of rental, adding in some clauses about any special circumstances, any special things that we do for guests to uh, so, so that we can say there's no guarantee that we will get it right. We'll do our utmost. There's no guarantee. This is out of the ordinary and, you know, it, it, it's not a common expectation. The owners are just doing their best. So there's no guarantee. And a couple of other things that we're putting into our terms and conditions uh, of rental to cover a few of the things that have happened this year, you know, things about insects and mice and that they are a part of cottage country. And while we do our utmost to deliver a mouse free property, if they leave the doors and windows open, the little critters are going to get in and there's not a great deal we can do about it. So we're also going to be looking at, we don't, we don't have an online signing process for our, um, for, for some of our documents. And we're going to be looking at that. That really hasn't come out of the issues this summer. That's come out of me buying property and having all the realtor documents using an online uh, signing process. And it was just so simple. And I thought, yes, we could be doing a little bit more on automation. We're going to be checking that all our owners have sufficient liability cover, up to two million at least. We're going to be using more automated messaging. We're going to start maintaining a, a database of properties that are committed to reducing chemical products because I think it's going to become more of a thing. There's going to be more and more guests who are asking about fragrance-free homes. Having a database of those properties that are fragrance-free, it's a bit like having a database of properties that are pet-free. We will, we will make sure there's a disclaimer that says, you know, just because it says now is fragrance-free, we cannot guarantee that there, there have not been fragrances used in the past at this property. However, the owner has committed to, um, to maintaining a, a fragrance-free home. We're going to just be more proactive next year and try and get in front of our guests before anyone else does, such as the media. Once again, it comes back to this automated messaging. And I'll be talking a lot more about that as we get it all set up. Something you're going to be hearing about a bit more from me over the next few weeks, 
I think it's going to be, yeah, a couple of weeks time. You're going to start hearing me talking about a company called Sixth Division because they're going to be starting to work with our company, Cottage Link Rental Management, to help automate some of our processes and to free up some of our time. And I'll be telling you a lot more about Sixth Division. For those of you who came to VRSS and who sat in on Brad Martineau's very, very uh, popular keynote talk, you'll you'll know who Brad is and and the, the nature of what Sixth Division does. I'm going to be interviewing Brad shortly over the next uh, over the next couple of weeks and when that interview comes out you're going to be able to download the uh, recording of Brad Martineau's keynote so you'll understand what I'm talking about. So that's something I'm going to be be, be discussing more because I'm going to be working with Brad as uh, Brad and his team as they help to get our business more automated and create a very valuable product that is going to be launched in the next few months. More of that to come. So I'm sorry for the slightly echoey audio quality. I, I realise I sh- might have, should have mentioned this perhaps at the beginning. But I'm sitting in my brand new office and it's got nothing on the walls uh, yet. Once I get something up on the walls, we're going to, and something, you know, something, maybe a bit of carpeting down on the floor, we're going to lose a bit of this echoey and we'll be back to a good audio quality again. So you've probably had enough of my voice. I'm going to quit now. Um, I'm going to go and walk around my two acres. Take, Take a stroll. See if I can find the river. I know it's down there somewhere. Uh, I just have to fight my way through the jungle to get it. So I'll probably post some pictures on Facebook as to, you know, to, just to show you what my, my jungle looks like uh, as we make our way down to, to the river. Um, so if you follow me on Facebook, you can check it out there. That's probably about it for now. You know, as I've been talking through these things, it really makes me think about how important they are or how important this end of year review is to think back while it's still very, very fresh in your mind about what impact, you know, what, what the impact was of a summer of rental. So I'd just like to thank you once again for listening. And do you know, this is episode 250. I'm blown away that we have got this far. And I know, I know I have so many of you listeners who have listened to just about every one of these podcasts. You really must be sick of my voice by now. Um, And I'd just like to thank you so much for being so loyal, for listening, certainly for sending me messages, for letting me know that you do enjoy, that you are, uh, you like the podcast, you're interested in, in what I'm talking about. And certainly for those of you who've been sending me suggestions on um, what, what to discuss next, um, you know, a thank you to Sibylla Kim for um, her suggestion, which was really topical for me. Um, Sibylla suggested that we that, that I do an episode on organizing all the digital stuff that comes our way. You know, you know, the podcast you listen to, the Facebook posts you you're interested in, the articles, the blog posts, ways of organizing that. So it's just at your fingertips rather than being all over the place and never to be found when you're looking for it. And and thank you, Sibylla, for that, because I'm in exactly the same boat as you are. And yeah, I've got stuff all over the place. So I'm going to be doing a bit of research on that before I find somebody to help me discuss it. 
So that's it for this week. As ever, an absolute pleasure to be with you. And I will so look forward to being with you again next week. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business. Oh, 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 oh